given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Amen, amen. This message here, I know that most of us here, if not all of us here, we need it in some form or another. Because the subject of depression, like I said last week or a couple of weeks ago, is not something that is talked about in the church at all. But it is something that is in the church. And so that's something that we need to start not to be afraid to go open the kind of worms that need to be taken care of and flush them out. So today I'm going to be talking about the destruction of depression. The destruction of depression. And I'll do something a little bit different. I'm going to read five scriptures. And these five scriptures were on lives of men in the Bible. Men that God used mightily in the Bible. But men that had depression, but overcame depression to still do great things for God. The first one is 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. It says, brothers and sisters, we don't want you to be ignorant about the suffering we experienced in the province of Asia. It was so extreme that it was beyond our ability to endure. We even wondered if we could go on living. There was so much stress, so much pressure, so much suffering, that this individual did not want to go on living. And do you know who this was? This was Apostle Paul. The great Apostle Paul wrote this. Jonah chapter 4 verse 8. And it happened when the sun arose that God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. Then he wished death for himself and said, it is better for me to die than to live. This was Jonah, prophet Jonah, the great evangelist Jonah. The one that God used to bring a whole city of Nineveh to him. This is what he said. I don't want to live anymore. I'm tired, God. Just let me die. But he overcame that and still when I did great things for the Lord. Lamentations chapter 3 verses 5 to 7. He, he has besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and woe. He has set me in dark places like the dead of long ago. He has hedged me in so that I cannot get out. He has made my chain heavy. This was prophet Jeremiah, the one we call the weeping prophet. The, one, the same one that wrote, I know the thoughts I have towards you. The same one. But in the church we'll tell you about that, but we won't tell you that. He said this, something like this. In Jeremiah 20 verse 14, look at what he said. He said, cursed be the day in which I was born. 
Let the day not be blessed in which my mother bore me. Have you ever read that? You see the Bible, it's in your Bible, it's in my Bible. That's why I'm saying these are things we need to talk about because these are people that overcame depression. Psalm 69, oh, if you read Psalms, you know David was always in the dumps, right? <laughs> if you're sad, go to David. By the time you finish the Psalms, I promise you, you'll be out of it. Psalm 69, verses 1 to 3. Save me, O God, for the flood waters are up to my neck. Deeper and deeper I sink into the mire. I can't find a foothold. Can anything describe the depression more than that? I am in deep water and the floods overwhelm me. I am exhausted from crying for help. My throat is parched. My eyes are swollen with weeping, waiting, waiting for my God to help me. This was a man that God anointed. This was King David. The man after God's own heart. He went through depression. And his was chronic because over and over and over and over and over you read. But did that put him down? Did that make him less of a man, less of a prophet, less of a king? No. He overcame it. He says, my soul, rise up within me. He knew how to talk to himself. First Kings chapter 19 verse 4. But he himself went on a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree and he prayed that he might die and said, it is enough. Now, Lord, take my life. I'm tired. It's enough. Take my life for I'm no better than my father's. This was Prophet Elijah and I'm going to stay on him a little bit towards the end. I'm telling you, depression is real. Depression is very real. Depression, is, depression and anxiety are the two top com, uh, common problems the world is dealing with. And believe me, it is in the church just as it is in the world. The problem though is, we don't want to talk about it because when you talk about it, oh, you, want, you think you're making God look bad. God is going to look bad if I say I, I'm depressed. And then there's the shame, and then there's the stigma attached to it. Oh, you don't know the Lord very well. Oh, sister, have more faith. Pull yourself up by the breeches. It's going to be okay. That's what they tell you. I promise you, when you came in here this morning, there are sisters and there are brothers here that greeted you with a smile on their face. They, they hugged your neck. They asked after you, asked how you were doing, loved on you. But do you know what it took them to get out of bed this morning to be here? You don't know. Because we don't want to talk about it. And so everybody carries the shame. Everybody carries that, oh, if I talk about it, I'm making God look bad. If I talk about the fact that I'm depressed and I'm, I'm feeling hopeless, no pleasure in anything, there's no pleasure, there's no passion, there's no excitement, it's all dull, everything is just... Mm. This is where we need to talk about it. Because like I said, the solution is here. And you heard about these five men of God that were used mightily. Books were dedicated to their work in the Bible. They dealt with the same thing. They dealt with the same thing. 
I'm telling you, depression is real. And depression is very, very complex. It's not a one-size-fits-all. It's not. It's not. And the, the whole goal of depression is to do two things to, to a person. It's to steal your joy and to shut your mouth, to keep you silent. And we know what the Bible says about joy. It says the joy of the Lord is your strength. If you don't have joy, you will not have strength to overcome anything that the enemy throws at you. And if it keeps you silent, if depression shuts your mouth, nobody can ever be anything in this kingdom because we are speaking spirits. If you don't open your mouth, you don't get anything. So that's why we have to talk about it. So your mouth, our mouths will not be shut and so that our joy will not be stolen from us. Amen? Amen. I want to tell you today if you're here, if you're watching on TV, we, we want to help in any way we can. Somebody was telling me, said, do you know, Pastor Angela, it might be, you might not have put this together. Here you are, you've always been a pastor, and then you are a nurse, and now you have a doctoral degree in psychiatry. God really wanted you to, wanted you to take care of the soul, body, and the spirit. If you are dealing with it, come talk to me. If you must know, I have dealt with it too. And I've told God I'm never going to come up here and pretend that I'm all that. Let the truth be told. When my husband died, I almost killed myself. It was Gladys here. Gladys, right? Raise your hand so they'll see you that. She's the one that came and took the pills and went and dug the ground and put it in there. When my husband died, I didn't see any reason to keep living. But am I still there? No, I'm not. I took some medications. After a while, they took me off of it. I'm fine now. Because depression is a spirit. And if you're grieving, if you've had a loss, if anything goes on with you, you're disappointed at God, something didn't happen the way you wanted, you're discouraged, let me tell you, that enemy, that spirit will want to take advantage of it. Once that thing opens, even when you've had a baby, the good thing God blessed you with, that sneaky spirit will want to come in there, give you postpartum depression to shut you up. Amen. That's why we have to shine the light on it. We really have to. We really have to. There is help. There is help. There is help. Amen? Amen. Now, there are types of depression that can come on people for different reasons. Now, there's the biological depression, the one that if you're not getting enough sleep, if you're not just... Getting enough rest, you're not getting enough sun. If your vitamin D level is low, eventually it will make you depressed. So there are biological reasons, hormonal fluctuations. All the women here, if you're past 40, you know that. All the men here too, your androgen levels, your hormones fluctuate too. So there are biological reasons that the enemy, again, at the end of the day, remember, depression is a spirit. And if the enemy in any way wants, I'm telling you, the Bible says the day a man born of woman, all the days of your life is full of trouble. It's always the devil trying to kill, to steal, to destroy every little avenue, every little door that the enemy opens, or rather that you open, even if it's a biological thing. Guess what? He was going to want to come through there. It's going to want to come through there. The second one is nutritional. If you're not eating right, if you're not eating right, 
If you don't have certain vitamins, it can cause depression. And then relational or circumstances, like I said, loss, grief. You lose somebody you love. It can bring depression. The Bible says mourning lasts for a night, but joy comes in the morning. The Bible recognizes that we will mourn. The Bible recognizes that we will grieve. But when the enemy now takes it and wants to take it for you to destroy yourself, it's not just ordinary grieving anymore. He's, he's coming the door. And he wants to use that circumstance and that circumstantial thing that happened to you to try and kill you and keep you silent. Amen? And then the spiritual one is the one I really want to focus on today. And now again, like I said, depression is not just one size fits all. There are stages of depression. And please, let me tell you something. You need to watch out for these stages because it's a spiral downwards if you don't take care of it. It starts with disappointment. The Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. You were expecting A and you got B. You wanted the lines to intersect and they both went different ways. And your heart became sick. The enemy is going to come try to take advantage of that. And give you depression. And make you depressed. Discouragement. The same thing. You've waited and waited and waited and waited and prayed and prayed and prayed. Like Gemini was saying, you see the dog giving, giving litter of puppies over and over. And you are saying, how long, how long will you be in there? You, you get discouraged. Then the enemy takes advantage of that. If you don't take care of that, from that disappointment and discouragement, it goes to discontentment. Comparing yourself to other people. And comparison is the easiest way for you to get depressed. Because, see these five fingers, there's no day they will ever be equal. There's no day these five fingers will ever be equal. This one is always going to be shorter. And this one is always going to be longer. So if you are trying to get yourself as long as this, mm, where, you have, where you are, stay content. Believe God, raise your eyes to the hills from where comes your help. Realize that this might not be where I need to be. But if this is where God wants me right now, let me stay here right now and be content with that. And not worry about Mr. C and not worry about Mr. B. Knowing that when my time comes, God will lift me up to my position. And so when we don't do that, the spirit of depression comes in. You're spiraling down. It started with discouragement, disappointment. Now, comparing yourself, discontent with everything God does. You now forget to thank the Lord for all that he's done for you. You forget to realize that not everybody woke up this morning. Then we go to despair. That's where you lose hope. It will never. Have you ever asked people, say, no, I will never. Or it will never happen to me. Everybody else gets but me, no. You start taking yourself out from the love. You start taking yourself out from the goodness. You start taking yourself out from the mercy. You start taking yourself out of the favor of the Lord. You now despair. And that's where, when it gets to that point, that's where destruction comes. You see the stages, how it can spiral down? I'm not, I probably won't get to it this week, but we're going to talk about ways to overcome this. Next week, I'm going to be talking on disappointment and discouragement because that's where it all starts. And if we learn how to right there, when that seed of discouragement, when that seed of disappointment strikes, you know how to nip that thing in the bud. You're not going to spiral down to all these other parts. 
We are going to see all these stages I talked about in the life of Elijah. So we are going to take some lessons from a depressed prophet and see things that he did that we need to avoid. Because until you, you need to first of all know what to avoid so that you know how to pull solutions. That's how it works. If I come here, and I will tell you that. I mean, like I said, there is nothing in this Bible. There's nothing you won't find in this Bible. The Bible, God is not ashamed to put the, the ugly, the good, the bad, and the ugly in his Bible. Because he knows that that's, that's where we are. That's our lives. For Elijah, you first hear about him in First uh, Kings chapter 17. This was a man that, because of the evil he saw in the land, he prayed and said, God, shut Shut the heavens, let there be no rain. And for three years, there was no rain. The king Ahab knew it was Elijah. So this man was after, this king was after his wife and himself, Jezebel and Ahab were after him, sending people to try and destroy him. So for three years, this man had been like intense, intense warfare. And so after he, he, he called the rain down. Before he called the rain down, they had a showdown. I'm going to pick it up from there. In First Kings chapter 19. What he did before I get there, in chapter 19 at the beginning, after he called the rain, he, 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 he went and he challenged the 450 prophets of Baal. You all know the story. Built an altar and said, let the God of heavens bring down fire. And we know that when he prayed, it was his prayer that brought the, the, the fire down and the fire licked up everything that was on the altar. And then he rose up and we are told that he rose up. Maybe there were other people there that got converted that helped him, but we are told that he rose up and he killed 450 people. Oh man. We are also told that this man ran, outran a chariot. Woman. First case, chapter 19. I'll pick it up from there, verses 1 and 4. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a message to Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them, by tomorrow, by this time. And when he saw that, he arose, that's Elijah, when he heard that and saw that, he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah. And the first mistake he made, he left his servant. And I'm coming to that. He left his servant there. And he himself, all by himself, went to a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he prayed that he might die. And said, it is enough. Now take my life. For I am no better than my father's. The first thing is prolonged fighting. Prolonged fighting. Prolonged warfare. Intense prolonged warfare. We see it here for three years. After he called, after he prayed and the heavens shut up, there was no rain. Ahab was after him. Jezebel was after him. I'm sure everybody knew, that knew that it was him that shut the heavens with his prayer. We're all after him. One man. One man. 
where you have been in battle, fighting for too long. Fight for your children. Fight for your spouse. Fight for your job. Fight for your finances. Fight for your grandchildren. We are turning around and fight. It's like we are addicted to fighting. When do we ever stop fighting? Fighting wears you out. Fighting wears you out. And so the Christian who doesn't want to go into depression, because that's where he started with him. He just all the time fighting, 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 fighting. One man, one man, one man. He had 450 prophets he could have called on to fight with him. He was, no, only him. Even his servant that he could have taken with him. Mm-mm. Bible says he himself. Me, myself, and I. You don't have to fight like this all the time. There are other ways to fight. Jehoshaphat, when he wanted to fight, all he did was he told praise and worshippers, go in front for me. There are times all you need to do is to praise and worship God. That's your fight. But we sang the song. My, 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 melody, my melody is my battle. It's my, it's my weapon. We have to get to that place to start using other arsenals that we can use to fight. Joshua, God told him you, cannot, you don't have enough strength to break that wall. Get some strong men. Surround the, the city. Surround the walls. Give him instructions. Do we go to God to ask for instructions? So Nehemiah, all he did was he just kept quiet. They sent, they wanted to fight. They wanted him to come down and box. Zip. That's how he fought and won that battle. He didn't speak a word. Esther, when it was time for her to fight, she used honor. It was honor she used to win her fight. You need to learn the different ways to fight. We don't have to all the time fight, fight. Oh, the enemy is after me. The enemy is after me. Oh, I don't, you don't eat for one week because you're fighting. If you stay like that after a while, you're going to be tired. You're going to be exhausted. And you're just asking for depression. Like we see in the life of prophet Elijah. How does God want you to fight your battles? Remember I said, we are in this, whether you like it or not, you're sitting down looking at me today, you're watching me on TV today, you are in a battle. You might deny it all you want, you are in a battle. And the enemy wants to kill you, the enemy wants to destroy you, the enemy wants to steal everything good from you. So, but you have to have a strategy to fight. Anytime something comes against you, what is the strategy? Are you always using one strategy? Sometimes God will want you to be Esther. Sometimes God will want you to be Nehemiah. Sometimes God will want you to be Joshua. Sometimes God will want you to be Jehoshaphat. You ask the Lord how he wants you to fight and that's how you're going to win. So that you're fighting with different strategies and you're not wearing yourself out. The second thing he did was isolation. He isolated himself. He isolated himself from everybody else. Hmm. Let me read this. I'm telling you, this is where, this is where, especially this time we are living in, this has become a huge thing. Isolation, if you see the number of children 
the rate of depression and suicide are among children. I mean, 12 years old, 14 year old, 15 year old, that don't have anything to be de- depressed about, but they've isolated themselves and they carry their phone. Or, this is it. This is it all the time. They don't look, even at home eating, they're doing this. There's, they don't make eye contact with their parents, with anybody. They just live in a world of their own. This is it all the time. They're sleeping, they're doing that. And so if you have children here, you need to start monitoring those things. We're wondering what's happening to our children. Let's start from there. When you're about to eat, get a bowl and put everybody's phone in there. Nobody touches phone until we're done with eating. At night time, 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, take all the phones from them, put them in your own room, unplug it. Don't let your children have their phones in their bedroom at night. They are not sleeping. And before you know, click, 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 they are into pornography. They are watching things that will destroy them for the rest of their life. Take those phones from them. This is what we need to talk about these things in church. We need to talk about these things. Take those phones from them. And you get off the phone yourself too. If you are on it and you, don't, you tell your children not to do it, it's not do as I do, it's, it's uh, I do as I say, it's do as I do. What your children see you doing is what they would do. That's just the truth. And let me, a word of caution, I think this is very important. Please, when you're tired, don't ever make any decision. Going back to tiredness, I wanted to make sure I forgot, but I just saw that in my note. Never make a life-changing decision when you are exhausted and you are tired. Don't ever do it. Take a vacation. Take a break. Sleep over it. Talk to somebody. But if any decision you make when you are tired, it's always going to be a wrong decision. Because you are not thinking right. You are not thinking right. Isolation. The only thing, everything God created in the Bible, in Genesis, he created this. He said it was good. He created that. He said it was good. Everything he created, God said it is good. Do you know the only thing God said was not good? Who can tell me? He said it's not good that man should be alone, right? He's not talking about marriage and he's not talking about sex. He's talking about relationships. He's talking about community. He's talking about you and I talking together. He's talking about me and you saying, listen, this is me. The good, the bad, and the ugly. He's talking about being able to talk to somebody. Being in communication, in fellowship with somebody. The Bible says it's not good for man to be alone. There's the proverbial saying that if you put logs of fire together, as long as they are together, they are going to be burning. If you take one of those logs out, very soon come back, it's dead. It's, there's no more fire in it. There's no more fire in it. So isolation is never, it's never a good thing. It's never a good thing. Here, here he is as, as, as a prophet that did so much. So much. Had 450 other prophets, but didn't know. Because he, he isolated himself from everybody. Where were all those 450 prophets when he, was, when he was praying and shutting down heaven? When he was praying and the rain came? When he went and, and challenged the 450 prophets of Baal? When all of that was going, he probably so isolated himself, he thought he was the only Christian. 
He thought he was the only one that was spiritual. That's what happens when you isolate yourself. The enemy is isolating you for a kill. That's just what it is. Because you, are, you, really are, you think you are strong, but you really, then you are weak. And you become the, you know how a pride, if you, if, you, if you watch National Geographic, when they have all the animals together, no matter how much the lion tries, but when that one strays away, he isolates himself for the kill. Here he was all by himself because he isolated himself. First King chapter 19, verses 9 to 10. Is he talking about Elijah? And there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. Remember, he had journeyed a whole day by himself. His servant that could have at least kept him company, he left the servant. I don't want anybody, I want to be by myself. Travel the whole day to go and go into a cave. Is that what depression does for it to, to people? It's a cave, dark place. You're, it's dark, it's, it's lonely, it's isolated. No joy, no pleasure, no excitement. Feeling hopeless. It says, Behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Have you ever told your child, What are you... What are you doing? When he says, what are you doing here? It wasn't like just a question. Like, what are you doing here? You're not supposed to be. This is not where you're supposed to be. That was what God was telling him. What are you doing here, Elijah? So he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant. That's true. Turn down your altars. That's true. And killed all your prophets with the sword. That's a lie. I alone am left. And they seek to take my life. They seek to take your life, but you're not alone. You're not the only one left. But you see what isolation will do? Make you start believing your own truth. When you're not fellowshipping with other believers, you're home on Sundays when everybody is in church. Very soon, ah, I don't even have to go. They are hypocrites. I'm, I'm, I'm the one. I can fellowship by myself. God, God speaks to me just like he speaks to them. You've isolated yourself. So very soon you're telling your, your own self, yourself, your stories. And since it's your own stories, anyway, you believe it. You write the books you're reading, right? And the enemy has isolated you, kept you in a place where he can damage you. That's why fellowship, fellowship, fellowship. We need to tell people, COVID is over, go to church. You can't use COVID anymore. You can't use COVID to say, oh, because of COVID. If you still want to wear masks, come to church. Because the enemy is, because this is no joke. I mean, he's not playing games. We might be playing games, but he's not, he's very, very strategic. And he will take his time. Ha! He's, he's, well, it's one thing that's patience. It's not, it's not an attribute. You can say it because it's a good thing. But this, Satan has patience. He knows how to walk it. So God didn't want him there. And here he is, the man of God, that a prophet isolated himself to the point that the enemy wanted to kill him. That he's now saying, God, kill me. Just kill me. We cannot do life alone, amen? You cannot isolate yourself. The devil will mess with your mind. He will mess with your mind. The third thing 
is any time God is taking you to a higher level, watch out for depression. Any time you're trying to, 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 to fight those feelings of depression or, or discouragement or, or discontent or disappointment, when those feelings come, please take the time to evaluate where you are. Take the time. This is Elijah. This man just killed 450 prophets. This man prayed and the rain didn't come. Prayed again, the rain came. This man had so much energy, so much strength. He had run a chariot with horses, been drawn by horses. He had run all of that. And he's probably thinking, what else can I do? But he wants to die. Depression is coming to take him. Just one chapter, next chapter, he meets Elisha. God has Elisha, and Elisha means double. That's what Elisha means. God wants to, wanted to take him from him being alone to now being a mentor. And God was going to bring Elisha because Elisha would do two times all the miracles that Elijah did. But if he had killed himself like he wanted to do, he would not have met Elisha. And all the miracles, all the mentoring he, had, he did for Elisha, to, for Elisha to do twice the miracles that he did would never have been done. So when you start thinking, oh, okay, I've gotten the promotion I've been praying for for five years. Now what, what next? Or finally I had the child. What next? Oh, I finally bought my own house. What next? Because watch out when those things start to happen, what you've been praying for, what you've been believing God for, once they happen, the enemy wants always, always bring depression. We always bring depression to you. And so as a child of God, what you start, you start realizing that even when you think you have peaked, look for what God is doing. God is taking you to a new level. And so when the enemy starts to bring depression and discontentment, discouragement, disappointment, look beyond that and say, God, what is the good thing that you are doing? Who is my Elisha that is coming my way? And look for that. Amen? Look for that. Look for that. And then number four, God will always send you an angel. God will always send you help. First Kings chapter 19 verses 5 to 8. Then as Elijah lay and slept under the broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. Then he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose the second time, he ate and he drank, and he went in the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights. God will always send somebody to help you. And if you've noticed in your life, and I want you to be very, those, these things I'm saying, I want you to start noticing it because these are the things you have to be careful about so you don't miss the angel that God sends to you. Because when you're going through a hard time, 
God will always send somebody. But sometimes we are too focused on what's gone before, what has happened, that God will send help to you that will take you out and nourish you and encourage you, allow you to talk. We, thought we just miss it because it's never packaged the way we want it to be packaged. God will always send you help. That angel was sent by the Lord to encourage Elijah, to feed him, to sustain him, to let him rest. The angel was there when he needed to rest. There are times that things happen to you and they, you don't have to speak. You don't, you don't just let yourself enjoy their presence. When they say they want to come to your house to be with you, they're not wanting you to be running around cleaning the house. It's okay for the house to be dirty. Let the angel come and just sit with you. And please, please open up to somebody. I know you can't tell, we can't tell all our issues to everybody, and I don't, tell you, I don't want you to do that. Because there are people, once you tell them your, your deep issues, once you leave, they pick up the phone. And they are telling everybody else. But God will send you somebody. The person that you can say, this is me. This is not the Pastor Angela face. This is me. You, we all need that. And so when God sends you that person, thank him for it. Thank him for it. And let God use that person to help you to heal. To help to pour into you for the next phase of the journey he's taking you. Amen? All of us, like I said when I started, I said all of us, somehow, God, all God told me was like, just go open your mouth and speak. I have my, some of my children are in trouble. Some of my children are thinking, this is it, what more? They are losing hope. And he said, just go and speak. Tell them that I heard, I heard their cry. I see what they are carrying, I see the burden, I see the pain. I see the feeling of hopelessness and I understand. Tell them that I have those that I have used before that went through that but they overcame and continued to be used in mighty ways. And so I'm telling you what God says. He can continue to use you. When you get home today, open your blinds and let the sun in. When you get home today, put some praise and worship music on. Dance by yourself. Hold Jesus and dance with him. Dance with him. You're not alone. You're not alone. God has not forsaken you. And God hasn't forgotten you. The silent times of the Lord is when he's doing his greatest job. Because the enemy will tell you God is silent. God is not listening to you. If God saw you, why this? He's a liar. God is doing something great. God is cooking up a meal. When the angel came, God was cooking up something. Elijah didn't have an idea. So that's what I want to tell you this morning. God sees you. God hears you. God understands. And God has sent help. And I hope and I pray that this message somehow, you will live here today if you're struggling with depression, if you're struggling with anxiety, if you're struggling with hopelessness, you will find somebody to talk to.
just to talk to and seek help. Seek help. Find a doctor, find a therapist. God is not against medication. That's a crazy thing. We don't see to read very well. If you see my thing, I use, in fact, I was trying to use font 16. I'm like, no, I'm not going to use font 16. I'm using font 14 because if I do 12 and 11, I'll have to wear my glasses. I don't see that as lack of faith. It's not lack of faith when we wear glasses. When you break your arm, you go to the orthopedic doctor and they fix it for you and they do surgery. It's not lack of faith. When they tell you your blood sugar is high, you don't say, okay, I'm going to pray until it comes down. You, get, you take your medicine while you are believing God. But when it comes to depression or when it comes to anxiety, all of a sudden there's a stigma to it. And then you don't seek help and the enemy uses it to make you take your life. The devil is a liar. Seek help. Take medication while you are fighting. Go to a therapist and talk. If you don't have somebody to talk to, pay somebody to sit down and listen to you. That's the truth. Because just airing out what's inside of you, just bringing it out of you, just talking about it, relieves that pressure and that tension that makes people want to snap. Amen? Stand to your feet this morning. Like I said, we're going to be talking about the hard things. We'll talk about it. Next week, we'll talk about discouragement. And then we'll talk about the ways to overcome the things. How you have to maintain your joy. Because the Bible says, it is with joy that you withdraw from the wells of salvation. Hallelujah! So we're going to talk about staying in the presence of the Lord. Because the Bible says in His presence, there is fullness of joy. And in His presence, there are pleasures forevermore. We're going to talk about those things next week. So that we can realize that there is hope. The Bible gives us solutions for us to overcome depression. Take the medicine if you can, but that will solve your problem. It will help you manage it. But your, your solution is here. Amen? Amen. Raise your hands up to, to God this morning. Isaiah 61 verse 3 says, He came to console those who mourn in Zion. He came to give you beautiful ashes. He came to give you the oil of joy for mourning. And Jesus came to give you the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Lord, I pray for your children today. You know what? I'm going to do something. If you're dealing with depression or anxiety or discouragement or discontentment, just come and stand before the Lord. Nobody's going to lay hands on you. And please, please, like I said, this is not the time to be bashful. If you need to come, just come here. Because as I read that, anoint oil just jumped out at me. So all I'll just do afterwards is just put some oil on you and do an exchange. Let's do an exchange. You come and drop it here and the Lord will anoint you and you will replace it. We will replace your mourning for joy. The heaviness, the spirit of heaviness will replace it with the garment of praise. If it's you, come while we pray. The others, just pray in the spirit for a while. And if it's you, just come and kneel down here. It's between you and the Lord. Nobody's looking at you. Don't be ashamed. Don't be bashful. 
Father God, we thank you that you came, Jesus. You came, you came to give us the oil of joy for mourning. You came to give us the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Oh, you came to give us beautiful ashes, oh God. Father God, I thank you for those that are here. Oh, they have come to make the greatest change. Father, I change it, oh God. Give them joy. Give them praise, oh God. Oh, my Lord, we give you praise. Father, I thank you for your children. I thank you, oh God, that the yoke of depression is broken over their lives today. The yoke of depression is broken in the name of Jesus. Oh, the burden of depression is taken off their neck in the name of Jesus. Father, Lord, I thank you. I thank you, Lord God, as they lay it before you. As they put it down, Lord God, it will not get up with them. As they live here this morning, they will leave it all here at the altar. To the glory of your name, O oh God. Father, I thank you for hearing us today. I thank you for bringing this message to us, O oh God. And we thank you that your children are free. Free in the name of Jesus. I bless you. Receive your blessing for the week. I bless you, children of God. Favor and goodness and mercy will follow you all this week. Everything God has for you, you will receive it this week. No tongue will wag against you. No evil tongue will talk against you. Every plan of the enemy against your life, I destroy it today. This week and in your life, I destroy it in the name of Jesus. You are blessed. You are blessed going in. You are blessed coming out. And who God has blessed, no man can curse you. Have a wonderful week. And those of you staying here, I'm going to come pray with you. Just anoint you. But you are dismissed if you want to go. And I'll be praying. If you still want to come to the altar, please do that in the name of Jesus. Oh, handerebo shekereaba.